Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Today's show is brought to you by Von Herzog, who will be releasing his second full-length album entitled Sincerely Yours, May 19th on digitally branded records. A child of the 80s, he's putting his own spin on the synthwave sounds we all know and have missed for way too long. Sincerely Yours is currently available for pre-order on Bandcamp. Order it now as a limited edition cassette tape or digital download. So what are you waiting for? Go pre-order it now at vonherzog.bandcamp.com. And keep listening to Beyond Synth, or Von Herzog will hack into your computer and fill the hard drive with only Justin Bieber music. That's Von Herzog. Sincerely yours. Sin. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is the show where I interview artists and producers who make cool music, 80s-inspired, synthwave, outrun, all that sort of cool stuff. Today on the show is Dan Terminus, so I hope you like hard, gritty electro, because that is the sort of music that Dan makes. I also hope you like French accents, because Dan has one. So just get through the business. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. I am at Andy Last. That's the official Beyond Synth. Twitter account. Please like Beyond Synth on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. Follow Beyond Synth on SoundCloud. That's where the show is streaming from right now, probably. And uh, don't forget to heart the episodes and share them and comment and stuff. I like reading the comments. Uh, if you want to, you can friend me on Facebook. I am Andy Synth. If you do, just please send me a message uh, saying that you're not a robot so that I know that you're not a robot. Unless, of course, you're a very clever robot. The Beyond Synth theme song is by Ogre. It is the track Sure Thing off the album Calico Brawn, which you can check out at ogresound.bandcamp.com. At least every episode, somebody asks me who does the theme song. The theme song is done by Ogre. One of these days, someone's going to be able to put together a collage of every single time I've said that. But it's very important because it's one of the best songs there is. Um, also, thanks to Dallas Campbell for helping with elements of the intro. And if you have a moment, go check out uh, Andy Last on Vimeo. And I uh, post videos there. And I did the um, I made a video for Droid Bishop, which is cool. So if you haven't checked it out, do that. Okay, the end. And now let's go to Perry and speak with Dan Terminus. Although that is probably geographically inaccurate, as I don't think he actually lives in Perry. But... I don't care. Enjoy the show. 
I sound okay, but I look terrible. Lucky for you, you don't have a video or a camera straight to my face because, as we say in French, I have two big wells of charcoal under my eyes. It's not wrinkles, it's rifts. It's very poetic, man. That's uh, In English, we just call them bags. <laughs> bags. Yeah, you got some bags under your eyes. Uh, well, I don't, we don't say that. We say rifts or canyons or wells. Or dark wrinkles or dark rings. Ah, oh, shit. At the moment, I'm doing through multiple things like signing contracts, negotiating stuff and everything. And I only had one hour of sleep. So the good thing is that I will probably be saying very poetic, silly, strange things. And the bad thing is that I could also be saying total bullshit. It's sort of the reason why I really enjoy talking to Vincenzo Salvia. He, he can speak like that with uh, very great images. Uh, oh yeah, his, his, the poetry <laughs> of his language is, is awesome. And it, it often is just boils down to metaphors involving like spaghetti and stuff, but it's still, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about you, man. Yeah. Dan Terminus. Is that your real name? Uh, at first, I wanted to call this music project Terminus. And I found out two embarrassing things. The first one is uh, a movie called Terminus featuring uh, Johnny Hallyday, who is a very famous French singer, but he's who is also very famous for being a... <sighs> How can I say that in, in English? Uh, in French, he's... C'est un bouffe. Did you just say beef? He's a One beef? Hour. What is that? No, no, no. A, a bouffe. In, in French, a bouffe is like, it's very difficult to translate in English. It's like it's a person who is pretty low class with low expectations and low tastes. And it's like trailer park metal, you know, that kind of pejorative words. And this was kind of embarrassing, even, even though it was funny. And the second thing I found was a group of musicians who happened to be two psychics and they were making music under the moniker Terminus. And I sent them a message because I wanted to use the, the, the name The Terminus or Terminus. And they said, well, if you do this, we're going to sue you. So I said, all right, let's use Dan Terminus like a persona. Why Dan though? Is Dan your name? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I just said, all right, let's be me, Terminus, Dan Terminus. So that was... It's a very simple story, I'm afraid. What is your actual history? Because, like, Dan, right? That's not really, like, a French name. Like, were you... Are you actually, like, full-on French, or were you born someplace else, or...? I was born here in France. I mean, here, here in France. But I do have uh, American relatives, and that explains my broken accent. You know, it's... There are bits of American accents in it. I, I could even go... With the southern accent like that, you know, farm in the farms and field in the fields, girls. This is how. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> right. You know, because I, I, I've been, you know, I could speak like that, but I, I lost the accent with the passing of time. And, you know, I love the USA as much as I love friends. So I'm kind of like sitting on two cultural chairs, you know. I love friends and I love the USA. And I am both because I have relatives in in. In both countries. I also, uh, I have French relatives, some in France, mm -hmm. different different locations, although I haven't been to France in a long time. Well, you should go. You should go to France. It's a nice country. Yeah, I'm, I've been. <laughs> I mean, I remember talking to Perturbator about it. I remember my memories were like some weird old man pissing in the street in the open. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember there was this terrible show. 
I always found with French TV as a kid, it just seemed like there was nothing really for me. Like I would turn on the TV and like all the shows would be like these panels where it would just be like four women talking around a table about like cultural stuff. Exactly. It didn't change. It's still the same, except the settings changed and their haircuts changed, but it's still the same. <laughs> it's still the same. I mean, I know like they have those shows, you know, in like North America as well, but it seemed like that was really like a European thing. Just these shows where it's a panel of four people and they have a guest. I remember this one drove me nuts because it had the shittiest song. It was called Fru Fru, I think. Ah, Fru Fru. Yeah. Fuck, it's got the worst <laughs> fucking song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's like Housewives or something because it had this title sequence where it's all these like old ladies with like shots with their kids. <laughs> and it was like, because you heard like the sound of p- camera taking pictures. And it's like, Fru Fru, Fru Fru. It was like the worst. It was, I hate it. It's still in my head now. Even the French people hated it. But I have a question. Why Why were you watching this? <laughs> it was just, it's what was on. I remember when I was in France and I would turn on the TV where I was and it would be these French intellectuals talking about stuff and I didn't understand what they were saying. Neither did I. Yeah. Neither did I. Don't worry. <laughs> Or I think there was there was music videos, I think, on one channel, and then there was another channel where there was just old American shows dubbed yeah. from, like, the 70s and shit. And then, uh, yeah. what else? I don't know. Goldorak? Ah, Gold- Goldorak. Yeah. The Goldorak show was very famous in France. And have you listened to uh, Carpenter Brut's EP3? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the first track, called Division Ruine, is actually the name of the, ba- the bad guys in Goldorak. Uh, they are the Division Ruine. So that was very funny to to actually read the title and go like Division Win like like Goldorak what the fuck are you doing man <laughs> and when I asked him he said hey sounds cool so I said okay just to give you more precisions on French television it has always been very very old fashioned which means that it's just starting to get entertaining when I was a kid because I'm I am in my thirties. Television was three channels, a fourth channel that was a pay-per-view, or, you know, you had to pay a monthly fee to get access to the channels. And that was pretty much it. It was pretty boring compared to what we had in the USA. Mm -hmm. So when I was in France, I would always tell my parents, but why is television so boring? So I I gave up on television. I preferred reading books or writing or playing the piano or the violin or going out with my friends. But French television was very boring. And this had a lasting effect on me. And this is a confession time. If you make me sit in front of a television set, it will suck the life out of me. I will be mesmerized by it. (laughs) And you could play me anything. You could play me uh, a great movie. Or you could play me Mortal Kombat. Or you- <laughs> but Mortal Kombat is a great movie. It is a great movie, sir. <laughs> I know we both have good tastes in movie. And yeah, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is <laughs> one of the best movies ever made. But only people with second degree sense of humor can appreciate 
the greatness and the beauty of that movie. Yeah. And anyways, <laughs> anyways, you can, you can even get me commercials for a cup of tea, and I will watch it. All right, I tell you one thing. I even remember some commercials in France. I mean, even as a kid, I knew like there was a difference. You know, like American TV was just better. <laughs> now that's not to say like I'm in Canada and Canadian TV is pretty lame too because we've got this issue where we kind of want to make American TV, but we don't have enough like the same amount of money. Yeah. Or we have this issue where we're trying to, as Canadians, develop very Canadian content. It's like no one wants to make just a straightforward show. It has to be very Canadian if it's going to get, you know, funding or whatever. Yeah. So they end up being quirky and stupid. <laughs> and there have been a few really great Canadian shows, like Kids in the Hall is great and uh, Trailer Park Boys is pretty funny, like mostly comedy kind of things. But then the irony is, you know, a lot of shows are shot in Canada, but they're American productions, mm -hmm. but they shoot, they shoot in Canada because of the you know, their dollars worth more. So they get more money out of it. But I, but I know like when I was a kid, I just noticed when I was in France, I was just like, what the fuck is with this? Like just the TV was just, it's just so cheap. But then it's not just France. I mean, like Italy has TV that's like straight out of the seventies mm. from the state. Like they have these like variety shows, the type of shows that are like from like the fucking sixties in the States. Like they're, it's so bizarre. You watch them and you're like, oh my God, like it's like a time warp. You said the word or the expression, you said the sixties or the seventies. There's one thing you got to know is that the people you saw on television when you were in France in the eighties are still on television today yeah. <laughs> and i'm not kidding we are talking uh, in the year 2015 and those guys are still on television they are big dinosaurs and they have a seat there they have their place and they are not ready to let it go and some of them have been making well they have been appearing on television shows on different channels they are also on the radio they are also in the newspapers and those guys are not ready to let go which means that the new talents have to be you have to keep it in the family mm -hmm. you know and when someone is proposing some something new or something a bit adventurous that person gets cast out so that frou-frou show still isn't on the air though right like that's gone. oh no 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 it's not on the air oh, okay, okay. Frou -frou. but the person who did it catherine bravo is still, I think she's either a producer or a radio entertainer, but this proves that things are so fucked up. I mean, everything is locked up by old people, by dinosaurs, mm. people who are in their 70s and who refuse to let go. And if they say that your television show or your radio show is crappy, then it is crappy. And the only option you have is to shut up and die because they don't want you <laughs> to be better than them. <laughs> Take this analogy and use it to analyze pretty much everything you see in France and you will see that, yeah, it's kind of true for almost everything in France. Well, let's talk about cool stuff then. Let's talk about you. Okay. Let's talk about your music. Okay. I'm going to go back to the beginning here. You, you made an album called The Darkest Benthic Division. You are correct, sir. Tell me about that. It's an album I made when I joined the scene back in 2013. Before that, I had been writing electronic music for as long as I can remember. And I had those tracks on my good old Atari 520 STE. And I had those tracks made in the most horrible of ways because the sound was really bad. You know, you know, like cheap tune. I had all of those tracks made on my Atari. And just like a lot of people, I discovered uh, Perturbator 
And I was like, all right, this is great. It sounds great, but it sounds so much better than the things I'm doing. And then I discovered Noir Deco, and it was like a revelation. I was like, oh, it's the kind of music I've always been hearing in my head. And I didn't know how to make music on a professional level like that. So I learned. I got a uh, my first digital audio workstation, which is FL Studio 10, and I'm still using it. And I just learned how to make music. I had been making electronic music before, so I was kind of trained in knowing what an EQ is, what a chorus is, or what a compressor does, what a channel is, you know, and what a VST is. So I was not lost. I just needed direction and guidance. So I made the tracks on FL Studio. I made them very humbly, which means that I only did what I could do at the time. Right. Which means that I didn't I didn't venture further. I just focused on what I thought I could do best. Well, it's a cool. I mean, I do like the sounds in it. It's definitely more mellow than your sort of follow-up albums. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite track was Leaving Dry Dock. <laughs> Thank you. I, everyone, Why do you giggle? Uh, because <laughs> because uh, a friend of mine, I don't know if you know him, his name is uh, Reznik. He's a French producer. Uh, his, for, his EP was mixed and mastered by Carpenter Brut. When he listened to The Darkest Benthic Division, he said, hey, uh, that track, Living Dry Dock, is like a hit single. It would make the ladies wet. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like what? And uh, yeah, but... Thank you for that compliment. I appreciate it's it's great.
but uh, did, did I tell you that I wrote a little story to go along the, the album? Oh, you can tell me now. As you know, I'm influenced by the 80s, roughly speaking, uh, and the movie Blade Runner, roughly speaking. And I wanted to make my own tribute to Blade Runner. So um, it's like maybe there is a replicant who maybe is in love with a Blade Runner. And maybe these two embark on a boat, a Wally Power 118, just like in the movie The Island, you know. And maybe they are going on an adventure crossing the ocean. Maybe, maybe it's that. And maybe they reach the end of their adventure in a place called in the, the Underwater City, which is also the name of a track. There's nothing too exceptional. But it's just that I like writing a little story just as a backbone to an album. In the actual story, did you write the word maybe that many times? Yeah, every time. I, I, all, all of my sentences write, start with maybe. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I'm a coward and I'm not sure what, what the outcome will be. So I always go like, maybe this album will be good. I don't know, maybe, or maybe it will be a piece of crap. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I, ju I just want to sound nice for for a moment because I'm French and I'm supposed to be arrogant. That's why you can put on a whole character here. That's uh, that's part of the fun. <laughs> you can just come on and be like, "Hey, I'm trying to think of like French swears." Sacre bleu, nom de Dieu, bordel de merde. You can say that as well. Because I get yeah, because I forget right because Quebec has different ones. Because Tabernacle isn't a France one, is it? <laughs> it's all Bernacle. <laughs> just. Uh, Tabernacle, we, we just, we don't say that. I mean, maybe we used to say that in the 16th century, but we don't say that anymore. Our cousins in Quebec say that. They say uh, Tabernacle, they say Chris, Chris de Collis. Enculé! That's the enculé. one I <laughs> Yeah, enculé is more, is very French. All of the French people use it. It's, uh, enculé basically means uh, a person who was fucked in the ass. That's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there you have your meaning. I'm sorry. Okay, I have a funny story to tell you. Uh, would you... Can I tell it to you? No. Okay, I can fuck <laughs> off and die. Thank you. I really like you as a host. You're really great. <laughs> Andy, may I fuck off? Oh, yes, sure, please. <laughs> Just start all the sentences with maybe. That's all, that's all I ask. All right. So maybe I'm left-handed. And maybe when I was a kid, maybe I was teaching myself to write with both hands. Because maybe one day my French teacher grasped me by the hand, the right hand. Mm -hmm. And maybe she slammed my right hand on the desk. And she said, now, boy, you may be a cheeseburger eating offspring, but you have to choose one hand you can't be using both so maybe what? i was why why would she have a problem with that it's not a bad thing to be ambidextrous i mean like what's the harm in knowing how to write with both were you writing really poorly with both hands no it was maybe i was writing the same <laughs> so maybe she was infuriated because maybe this was friends and uh oh fuck can i stop saying maybe please yeah, of course but i i just it, it frustrates me when i hear stories like that when you just hear about teachers who are just shitty because it's friends and in france there is god and god is the teacher and then there is the murk the primordial mud in which uh the the people with no brain and no mind are swimming all day and the teacher if the teacher wants you to get out of the primordial ocean, they will 
take you out of this ocean. So you do not have to question their authority or to question their knowledge. You see what I mean? I enjoy the poetry of all this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. At last, someone who recognizes my genius. I feel, thank you. I feel honored. So anyways, back to this left-handed topic. Uh, I taught myself how to write with both hands because on that day, when my teacher slammed my hand on the desk, I was completely terrified. And I would write with my left hand because I started writing with my left hand, you know, when I was a kid. And I didn't show anyone, not even my parents, not until last year did my mother see me writing with both hands. And she's like, hey, you're left-handed now and you're right-handed? What's going on with you? And I'm like, hey, come on, mom. I taught myself how to write with both hands. And she was like, Oh, it's time you let me know. I never knew that. Being left-handed in my situation was uh, something really bad. And I still don't know why. In France, you had to choose a side. You could, you could not be both. Mm-hmm. You were either left-handed or right-handed. So, fuck it, man. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but I'm playing the guitar left-handed. But I'm using my computer mouse with my right hand because a friend of mine taught me how to play computer games with my right hand. So I feel completely handicapped to play with my left hand. It's interesting, though, because when I was young, for some reason, again, this was just because my brother used the mouse this way and I never quite understood it. But my brother would use the mouse upside down. And so I learned to use the mouse upside down. I mean, I eventually retrained myself to use it normally because it didn't really make sense to use it upside down. But I used it upside down for a long time. And it's funny how like that'll it sort of changes your whole perspective on things. The reason why I ended up just changing the way I use the mouse is because mice were never designed to be used upside down. So the wire was always coming out of the mouse the wrong way. But now I use a trackball mouse, and so you can track however you want up the screen. Oh, really? You're using a tra- trackpad or trackball? A uh, trackball. Ah, okay. It's so much okay. better. When I made the switch, I know when people would come over to my house and they would be confused at first to like use a trackball mouse, <laughs> but they're so much better because they just, they sit in one place. You don't have to move it around the desk. Like it just sits in one place. You rest your hand on it. You just use your thumb to like move the, the cursor around. Yeah. It's perfect. It's very natural. Uh, I had a friend who was doing the same thing you did, but with a joystick. I remember playing with him on a CPC 6128, and he had an inverted joystick. And I was like, man, why why are you doing this? And he felt it better this way. Uh, maybe that explains why I've been an inverted look player for so long. No, you know what, though? Inverted look makes sense. And I don't think I may have talked about this on the podcast before, Mm -hmm. because I sometimes have arguments with people about like inverted controls versus not inverted controls. But I use it specifically for games that involve shooting, like first person shooters or third person action games. Mm -hmm. But the reason is it makes complete sense is that one joystick is basically your look, right? And one joystick is your move around. Mm -hmm. But if you're playing a first-person shooter, you're not controlling the character's eyes. You're controlling a gun that is basically attached to the person's hip, (laughs) right? Like, that's what you're doing. You're not actually looking around the screen because the gun is always in the same position. So essentially, if you envision what your character is actually doing, when he looks up, he's pulling back. He's pulling back, yeah. So when I play inverted and people are just like, yeah, but you're moving the cursor up, so you want to push up. And I'm just like, yeah, but the guy's not pushing up. He's pulling back. And so it makes complete sense to play inverted controls. Mm. But then I wouldn't play inverted controls if I was playing like Super Mario or something because that doesn't make any sense. But for shooting games, <laughs> it makes complete sense. And so when people talk about that, I'm just like, yeah, but you're not... Look, it would be completely different if we were playing virtual reality yeah. and you were actually moving your head around independent of your gun. 
Because if that was the case, then yes, your eyeballs look up. They, you know, but technically you could argue that your eyeballs are also rolling back. So you could still make the case that inverted would still make sense. You got me down on my knees with that, with uh, such an explanation because it's one of the best explanations I heard. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I told you that one day my inverted look player skill was gone. I woke up, I started playing a game, and I was like, oh, it feels so wrong. And I had to revert to not inverted. <laughs> and it was a tragedy for me because for years I had been playing inverted look. And I don't know why. It's just that I had been playing... I mean, I don't know if something happened or if some neurons fried in my brain or if I spent the night at a place and I was drugged and... Was there a period of time? Had you like not played like a first-person shooter for like several months or was it literally like a switch that happened in like a day? I remember playing a lot Soul Sacrifice on my PS Vita and it felt very uncomfortable. But I mean, really, and I had to switch to non-inverted control on Soul Sacrifice in order to play correctly, to play properly. And then when I got back to playing my old games, I think it was Bullet Storm, uh, which is a game that I really like, uh, I just couldn't play on the inverted look anymore. And, and I still can't explain why. It actually got back to me. Well, today I'm feeling better. I'm cured. I'm playing inverted look. So I feel like I am a, a rejuvenated man, but I don't know what happened. You know, like when someone has a, a concussion or an accident and that person wakes up speaking Russian perfectly, whereas that person is Italian. And the person is like, is Bruges nies Bruges, Bruges nies over you Poruski. And you're like, what the fuck? With your whole like right hand, left hand thing, if you're holding a controller, yeah, what hand is doing the look and what hand is doing the walking? Right? Because when I play, so my left my left hand does my does my aimer look. Wait, or does it? No, hold on. <laughs> Grab a controller. Grab yeah, a controller. I would have to I have to go grab a controller and see. What do I do? Now, I fuck, I can't even answer that question. Never mind, it's a <laughs> shitty question. I don't even have an answer. For, hold on, fuck, give me two no. seconds. I'm going to go put a controller in my hand. Go ahead. <laughs> we now return to Beyond Synth. Okay, let's see here. So when I'm walking around... <laughs> Okay, I put a PlayStation 4 controller in my hand. Okay, so what happens? Does it vibrate? Does it feel good? Okay, so I use my dominant hand, I use my right hand, handles aiming. My right hand is the thing that's moving my head around, and my left hand is doing my walking. Movement. So, I will have to ask you to check one thing. You will have to check if Turok on the Nintendo 64 had a left-handed setting on the game controller. Because if I remember well, when I was playing the first Turok with my little sister, there was a left-handed control setting. Yeah, because on the N64, basically, with, with all the shooting games, which I, and GoldenEye did the same thing, mm. you could use the D-pad or you could use the C buttons. Exactly. Because it was Turok that taught me... I mean, because uh, I, I loved Turok. Like, when that game came out, like, GoldenEye was still, like, the height of it, but... Turok was awesome. Yeah, and it taught me the um, computer style. Like, you know, like, you've got your forward, back, left, and right. Because by the time I got to GoldenEye, people were using the default GoldenEye controls, which were weird, because it was, like, the one joystick looked up and down, but then turned left and right. Like, it was a weird setup. Mm -hmm. And so we would use control style 1.2 or solitaire, as it was called, which <laughs> would which would I remember. Yeah and, yeah. and that and that basically was your dual control, mm. which is why it always pissed me off that the N64, granted, was not a good controller. The, the joystick got all this white powder in it and it would break very easily. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah. whenever people would always complain, like when they played Goldeneye or like the controls were really shitty and stuff, I'm like, did you play using like Solitaire? Because that essentially was like the prototype for the, the dual analog control. It just the one thing mm. wasn't an analog stick, but it was essentially you were doing the same things, but it was backwards mm. because I was using in Goldeneye times, I was using my left hand to do the aiming because that's the way your hand sat on the controller in order to use the C buttons to move. So when I moved over to the playing first person shooters on like PlayStation and Xbox and stuff, I had to retrain myself to do it backwards. And now when mm. I try and play Goldeneye on like an emulator, I have to switch. <laughs> oh, the futility. Yeah. <laughs> How time flies. How time flies. Let's switch back and talk about your music again. You did this EP called Reverie. Reverie. That's uh, your Reverie. Absolutely Reverie. 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 Okay. Oxocubes. So <laughs> that's what I remember too when I was a kid was this ad for Oxocubes. The things I remember from France was this stupid frou-frou opening song. And then oh, the, come on, not again. And then this <laughs> and then this ad, and then this ad for Oxocubes. And I remember the song was sort of like, Oxocube, dinny, petit cube, din, or something like that. I don't know what they were saying. Oh, yeah. It take, kind of takes us back. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have to dig in my memories because it rings a bell. Okay, so back to Reverie. Tell me about the track. Uh, I think my favorite track on here was something called Pepperoni Autodrive, which I'm assuming <laughs> was some sort of a I, joke title, but let me... Yeah. I, I knew it. Reverie was an EP that I did completely for fun. Back then, people were telling me that I was too dark, that I was making a dark music that was menacing, ominous, and... And I disagree because I like knowing how to make all sorts of music in terms of electronic music. I think that being able to be as dark, brutal, violent, distorted to shit on the one hand and on the other hand being mellow, sweet, soft, uh, happy, loving and caring makes for a bigger playground. It's like having a planet and the diameter of the planet is equal to how much you know in terms of audio skills, uh, audio engineering, but also in terms of style. So I think it's better to stretch those two extremes as far as possible from each other in order to fulfill yourself as a musician and never get bored. Anyways, back to Reverie. I did it completely for fun. And I commissioned my official artist, Luca Carey, uh, who is a a wonderful painter. If you haven't uh, checked his work out already, please do. He's wonderful. I just wanted to make a collab with Vincenzo, Vincenzo Salvia. But unfortunately, we couldn't do it because he was running out of time and he had a lot of other things to take care of. He apologized for not being able to make it. And I was like, it's okay, Vincenzo, we'll make something together later. And I just kept the song as it was because the name Pepperoni Autodrive is a joke that Vincenzo and I had about Kavinsky, which was basically replacing Kavinsky's song titles uh, with uh, spaghetti, pizza, uh, <laughs> cacio cavallo, uh, prosciutto, brugnato brutto, you know, all those Italian words that are both insults and food names. Yeah. And I kept the name because I thought that Vincenzo really nailed it. And by the way, the, the vocoder voice you're hearing in the track is actually me just saying Pepperoni Autodrive and putting the voice through a vocoder. <laughs> Pepperoni 
I think this EP is just like the painting that Luca did for me. It's something that is very happy. And I had a lot of fun doing it. And it's strange because even today, someone like Rick Shithouse, uh, the person who is responsible for synthetics.fm, comes back to me pretty often and tells me that he likes this EP. And a lot of people go like, hey, I like Rêverie, it's really great. Uh, maybe you could do more songs like that. But I don't intend to. I just did it for fun, just to let off some steam. Do you have consistent people who do like the album artworks? Yeah, I do. For my first two albums, uh, The Darkest Benthic Division and Stratosphere Canon Symphony, I commissioned my girls at Bad Taste Factory. Uh, they are two designers, two girls who are very talented. They make those minimal uh, artistic t-shirts with uh, Frank Zappa, Jimi Hendrix, Lemmy, Kilmister from Motorhead, and, and they, are, they are painters as well. When I contacted them to make an album cover, they said that they were really excited and thrilled at doing it because they never did an album cover. So I just sent them a description of what I was aiming for, and they sent me a draft and I was like, all right, let's use it. So they made it better, they finished it, and that was it. And we did the same for Stratosphere Canon Symphony, but I was already working with my other official artist, who is Luca Carey. And Luca contacted me on Facebook right after listening to my first album, and he said, hey, if you ever need artwork or paintings, please know that I am here and I'm willing to do it. And he gave me a link to his portfolio. I clicked the link, and I was like, ow wow, now this is some serious shit. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a massive artist. He's a massive painter. I don't know if you've seen the, the cover of my last album, The Wrath of Code, but he did it, and it's fantastic. A lot of detail in them. They're very... Uh... I'm trying to look for for words. You've you've got the poetry here. You you say something. I'm just going to say it looks cool, but it looks beyond cool because <laughs> it's just <laughs> Luca has a talent which is to overload a painting with many details and when you zoom out you do not see those details, but they are here. It's like someone who is holding your hand while you are moving at a thousand miles an hour, but you're not even aware of it. And when Luca lets go of your hand, you realize that you are free falling and maybe you are falling down to your death. But then again, he takes you by the hand and everything goes fine again and your heartbeat goes slow and you see all those colors you never dreamt of. When you look at one of his paintings, you see colors that you never thought existed, but they do exist. And then again, when you stop looking at his painting, the world seems like a very sad and less colorful place. <laughs> I mean, I'm not blowing smoke up his ass. It's just that I'm a fan of his work. And I, I think that he's a true colorist. He's extremely talented in terms of composition because he knows the classic painters. You could tell him about Gustave Moreau or Gustave Doré. He will know them and he will tell you, yeah, I do not like their work, but their composition is the shit, man. You know, so yeah, he wins in my book. He wins. So while we're talking about Stratosphere Canon Symphony then, mm -hmm. so this was the album where you started sort of increasing like the pace of your music. So talk to me about the track uh, Digital Onslaught. <laughs> <laughs> it was a track that I wrote for an independent video game. Someone contacted me and said, Hey, Dan, I really like your music. 
I'm working on this game and I have this ID for a level. Can you do something? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I did the track in like five hours, sent him the track. And he was like, oh, it's fantastic. It's awesome, man. Bro. It's killing, skiller. Hey, man, it's piercing through my ass. I love it. And everyone. <laughs> Sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's my that's my impression, you know. Mm. That's my just cool guy impression. Actually, you <laughs> want to think <laughs> it's not it's not always a stereotypical cool guy who runs around <laughs> talking about how much he loves getting pierced in the ass. Yeah, but that that's my <laughs> definition of a cool guy. You know, like it's like you know you know you're going for a job on your first day of your job, and you have this guy who is who's really weird and really cool and he's like introducing you to hey this is john he's a cool guy he likes his ass to be pierced up so do not hesitate <laughs> to pierce his ass up and this will make you sound and look very cool what am i supposed to do oh you can plug a skateboard up his ass he loves it man i'm telling you you're gonna love working at this grocery store <laughs> i just love the idea of what kind of workplace this would be, where, where this is the introduction to all the people. Like, this is the know. craziest bookstore you've ever been in. If you can stop the first 200 pages up your ass, <laughs> the rest is free. <laughs> so talk to me Sorry. about it. So, so this guy said yeah. this song is good, basically. is what. <laughs> and he wanted to use it, but for some unknown reason. And because I signed some NDAs and... Because life is life, the project stalled. So I was supposed to write the whole soundtrack for the game. I was supposed to write levels, sub-levels, sub warp zones, options, credits, menus, cutscenes, everything. So a sports game then? Yeah. And since the project stalled, and since I had planned ahead of my schedule, and I had already written quite a lot of tracks... I had those tracks on my hand, and I was saying to myself that it was very stupid to release those tracks because it was way too early after the release of my first album. I sent the album to some of my producer friends, like, you know, Jimmy, Perturbator, and he listened to the album and he said, hey, it's cool, man. I think you should be releasing it. And I wanted to make a collab. So I made a collab with a Tommy 86 and when he sent me uh, his parts for the track, it was magnificent. The track turned from shit-ass pet fucking track to wonderful, magnificent piece of music. I put the tracks together, sent them back to Jimmy one last time. He said, hey man, it's really cool. It's a great album. I like it. And I released it saying, all right, let's see what happens. Maybe people will hate it. Maybe people will like it. And people loved it. So I said, okay, then that is for me. As long as people as long as people play one of my tracks in their iPod, in their car, while getting their ass pierced or anything. <laughs> uh, if, if they say, hey, this track is good, I like it, then the rest doesn't matter to me. It's all that matters.
want to entertain people with my music. Mm -hmm. Dark music, happy music, fucked up music, distorted fuckery all over the place. As long as they like it, it's okay. Okay, so, we, <laughs> we got to talk about that because you're the only person I know in the world that consistently uses the term fuckery. <laughs> that's a trademark. This I is don't one know. of your, your favorite phrases that seems to pop up again and again when I see your posts and stuff. So define for me. Uh, fuckery. Yeah. Okay. Fuckery is the equivalent of bordel in French, spelled B-O-R-D-E-L. And bordel is basically brothel or uh, whorehouse. Mm. For example, you could be asking to someone who is um, a fan of Beyoncé, hey, uh, what did you think of the Dan Terminus episode? And that person could answer to you in French, oh, putain, c'était le bordel. Uh, which would be, oh, fuck, this was the bordel. Oh, fuck, that was such a fuckery. That's it. So it's a pejorative way to say, to either say, it's cool, it's really cool, or it's bad, it's really bad. Depending on how much the person who says it likes brothels. <laughs> because if <laughs> someone's saying, like, I'm, you know, like, I've had a hard day at the office and I'm just going to take a little trip down to the fuckery. <laughs> so to get that, your ass pierced. Yeah, does that work? <laughs> Yeah, 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 it could work. It could work. Let's just go back here. We're going to talk a bit more about this this one, but you had um, Dallas Campbell did some vocoder action on one of your tracks. He did much more than that. He did vocals, guitars, synthesizers. I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, no homo, right? But he was such a charming guy. No, 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 such... homo. <laughs> No homo. No, no, which homo, means, homo. No homo. No, I, I means, don't accept it. Whenever people say no homo, I have to remind them, no, 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 homo. <laughs> Anyways. No, man, uh, Dallas is like, a, Dallas is, I was talking to um, Ogre about this the other day when we were talking about Dallas, and he's just like, Dallas is just such a dude. He's such a dude, yeah. He's, just, he's, the dude. he's just such a dude, man. He, like, he's, got a, he's got a cool voice, and he's just like, yeah, man, like he just seems like a really chill guy. Yeah, I love him. I love his voice. It's so great. But anyways, to be back on topic, um, I had a problem with that track called no exit, no escape, no survivors. Because a singer was supposed to record vocals for me. I'm not going to say who because she has been very polite and very elegant. But she, well, she jumped off the bridge at the one week before the deadline. So I posted something on my Facebook. And Vincenzo, as usual, suggested that he could be doing something for me. He said, hey, maybe I could sing a, a little something and pitch the voices up and I will sound like a woman yeah. and nobody <laughs> will notice. Uh, maybe then it's okay with you. I can do that if you want. And I said, oh, Vincenzo, maybe we could do that. And Dallas joined the conversation, sent me a private message. And he told me that maybe he could be doing something in one weekend only because he was moving. He only had his Poly 6 synthesizer, his guitar and his vocoder. And he said, give me one or two days and I will do something. So he recorded guitar parts, synthesizers and everything. And he sent them back to me going like, hey, maybe I was a bit too much 90s pop music, but I think you're going to like it. And the result was excellent. It was brilliant. I mean, he took the, the track to another level. And I said, Dallas, how can I ever repay you? Do you want some royalties? He said, man, don't mention it. I don't need royalties. I, I wanted to pay him. I wanted to send him a bottle of wine or a bottle of champagne. I wanted to send him a gift. or, And he refused. And he asked for nothing in return. So he truly is 
a fucking gentleman, you know. Not a lot of people do that, you know, in the scene. Not a lot of people do that just for the sole purpose of doing something cool. Yeah, I mean, even even when it comes down to this show, I'm going to charge you money. Okay, how much? Uh, I don't know, like fucking $300 every time it's played. Uh, every time I say the word maybe or every time you play the show? Um. Well, that's a great idea too. Fuck, I'm going to charge okay. you. I'm going to... Listen, you're going to get a whole bunch of bills in the mail. I hey, I just opened up a PayPal account. Okay. So that's great. So so you can just send me you can just digitally send me the money, man. This is perfect. So I can be slinging shit into your face and you will consider this a payment. Yeah. <laughs> man, you you are the best business partner ever. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is Andy. Shit in his mouth. Yeah, this is called payment. <laughs> Hey, two kilos incoming, three pounds. <laughs> who, who, who is Eat this, Andy. Who is that guy talking to? It's just me. You know, you know, I'm French, so <laughs> when I'm doing an impression, I'm talking to invisible characters, or I stay in character. Yeah, but see, that's so, the, that's what I'm asking you. Who is the invisible character that he's talking about this payment opportunity to? Uh, it's Mister. Let's call him <laughs> Gaylord Horse Bucket. I like Gaylord Horsebucket. He seems pretty cool. He's wearing a French straw hat. He's got a tie. He's got a suit. And he's he's, he's wandering the countryside looking for unique payment options. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the track Solar Maxima. I like that one. It's got this little plingy bit that sort of was video gamey. It was supposed to be a track to go along a cutscene. It was supposed to be very cinematic and i used sounds that were aggressive but not that much there are some distorted fuckeries here and there but not that much and i really wanted to make something that would be dancey and groovy in the same time i think i fucked up and in the end i loved the result because it was completely unexpected i wrote it in like i think 10 hours mixing mastering included and when I really sent it to it, I was like, hey, it's actually good. It reminds me of a spaceship taking off into space and going on a mission to somewhere else in the galaxy, on the other end of the galaxy. Let's keep it as it is. And that was it.
the title Solar Maxima uh, is just an approximation of a scientific term that I do not really remember. It's when the sun is at the apex or something like that. I mean, when the when the magnetic rays are at their pinnacle or what the fuck ever something like that i don't even remember but i <laughs> thought that solar maxima was sounding cool because it could either sound like a spaceship name a japanese car name a brand of cookie or a b movie so i said all right i just leave it like that do you have fun coming up with track titles absolutely i look i look at these ones where you got like sensory cascading failure giant golden naked woman <laughs> Retrieving apparent magnitude. Yeah. Where do these come from? What was the first one you said? Sensory cascading, cascading failure. failure. All right. Yeah. That's in my first album. It, this is um, supposed to be a chapter in which the, the rogue Blade Runner has his like a psychotic breakdown. He's uh, trying to love a person, to love the replicant, but he can't do it. So he's sitting on the desk of the boat and he's breaking down. His spirit is breaking down, you know. His mind is like a very old coat that you put on a coat rack and you never put the coat on again because you you, you think it's very old and you, you don't want to wear that again, but you don't want to throw it to waste either. So that's what it's supposed to mean. Uh, the other one was a, go a giant golden, golden naked, naked woman. woman. This is a suggestion by Luca because uh, when he was painting the Reverie cover, he said, hey, uh, do you mind if I had a, a giant golden uh, woman in the background of the painting? And I was like, I don't mind at all. Please do. I would love that. So he did. And I, I was looking for a song title. And I was like, oh, oh God, how can I name, name this track? And I was looking at our conversation log and I said, hey, that is cool. Giant golden naked woman. That was it. That was the name of the track. <laughs> I like to think about song titles because I do not want to go Miami neon night driving beach cruise palm tree highway chase of the star of the killer midnight sunset beach cruising. You know, that kind of thing. It's I don't know why I you wouldn't it, want to do that. You'd be the first. <laughs> Actually, you know, the, the, the joke is that you wouldn't even be the first to do that because Grooveworthy, who puts together those joke albums. I was on the on the last compilation as well. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> 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 to get back on, on that topic, I like finding a song title that will not sound too cheesy, mm -hmm. even though I found uh, a title that is Restless Destroyer. It's not supposed to mean anything. I just thought it sounded cool. And I want people to be entertained by the song titles. So they can say, hey, this track called Abandoned Ship Graveyard, hey, it's massive. It reminds me of a naval uh, graveyard with all those rotting ships here and there. Yeah, I think I like the impacts of the words, even if it implies putting words together that have nothing in common. We should talk about your newest album, The Wrath of Code. On this album, tell me about the track... Cherenkov Blue Overdriver. Cherenkov Blue Overdriver is a track that I wrote. It's a funny track full of sounds that are distorted because I love distortion. I, I love those dirty sounds that sound very clean and powerful when you put them together. It's on the verge of being unpleasant, but still it has some sort of a musical quality that may catch the listener's ear. I really wanted to show people what my 
style was like it was like a teaser like an uh, aperitif as we say in french like an appetizer mm -hmm. before the big french meal <laughs> so oh by the way i forgot to explain the title for you uh it's it's supposed to be a joke name but it, it also refers to some sort of a speed machine that you could see in the game f0gx uh if i had to build my own race pod in F0GX, it mm. would be uh, blue, the color of the Cherenkov effect. I don't know if you know of the Cherenkov effect. It's when some particles are going faster than the speed of... The oh, fuck shit. I, I know how to say it in French. Nerd! But I don't know. Nerd! I am a nerd, man. <laughs> countryside and i live in a house that is well actually it's not a house it's a castle i live in a castle that was built in the 15th century in an old village in france uh, there are only like a thousand people in my village and i live in the castle i, I rent an apartment in the castle how is that for your wi-fi connection uh do you remember how your internet connection was in 1995? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just about my internet connection as it is today. When I get on Steam to download a game, let's uh let's assume the game is uh, 6 gigabytes. It takes me 2 fucking days to download it. <laughs> it's a miracle we are even talking to each other today because if I take my laptop and if I go on the other room, the connection will be disconnected because the Wi-Fi doesn't get through the walls. Those walls are made of fucking stones. 
you see these those old medieval stones these are my walls i banged my head smashed my head almost open cracked my skull like 13 or 15 times on those goddamn fucking doors i mean those guys back in the days were making rooms that have ceilings that go up to three meters fifty, mm-hmm. and this is the height of my of my ceiling, three meters fifty, and those fucking doors are one meter fifty five tall, and I'm one meter ninety five. Fuck it, man! I'm dying in my house. Why would you make a ceiling so high with doors so small? Is is it possible then that uh, the reason why you you switched from inverted control to not inverted control as that you tried walking through your door and just slammed your head? Now that you say it, maybe. Maybe. Because my girlfriend told me that I've not been the same lately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Talk to me about the track Grim. I have a, a main story for the album, and I write tracks with a happy state of mind. But once I am seated in front of my computer, I look like a fucking accountant from hell, you know, like I have no expression on my face. I'm like, I'm like, I'm working. And Grimm is um, the track that is the most complex on the album. In fact, I wrote a first version and I was not too sure of it. So I sent it to one of my producer friends whose name is Moustache Machine. He's a fucking cool dude and he's a, a very talented musician. Anyways, and he said... It does not sound very good. Uh, you should maybe change this or that. And and I said, okay, so I'm going to mix this, the track differently as if I was making a Sebastian track. I wanted to make tracks like him because he's like the reigning king of electro music in France. He's a uh, the very respected guy. Does he do uh, a, remix of, a remix of the Fru Fru song? I don't know, but you should ask him. I think he would be proud to do it because he's always up for fucked up things. Anyways, um, he made an album called Total, and you should listen to it because it's like the basics of every hard electro music in France. I mean, as much as justice will make you think of French electro music, Sebastian will make you think of French hard electro music. So Grimm was supposed to be my own personal interpretation of a French hard electro track. I just had fun making it, keeping a a Grimm profile, like a, a dark and ominous profile, yet being melodic. I wanted the track to be groovy, powerful, distorted, melodic, but not too mellow, not too soft ash.
I like this track because it's uh, it's not too noisy, it's not too loud, mm-hmm. but it's right on the verge of being unpleasant, which is what I always aim for. Is it like good music to uh, be riding around on your motorcycle? <laughs> <laughs> As I told you, I live in the countryside and I live in a, in a place where there are ancient things. Like I live in a village in which there is a little church carved out of stone at the entrance of a very big cave. This place is called Les Grottes de la Balme, the Caves of La Balme, B-A-L-M-E. I live in a village near this place. And I take my motorcycle to just ride in the countryside, in those places where no one goes on deserted roads. And you can ride for hours. And the only people you will see will be the farmers on their big tractors and one horse, two cows, and that's it. And you ride in the open. You don't necessarily have to speed or to go very fast. And I'm not a fast rider as well. You know, I like taking my time. And you will see those abandoned, crumbling churches, uh, those old farms, the ruins from another time. I even live near an ancient uh, sacred place that, it, that is called Larina. It's L-A-R-I-N-A. You may find pictures on it. Uh, it's a sacred place on it. There is a, an old, uh, what's the name in English? Uh, Necropole in French, which is Necropolis. The place where you bury the dead. Well, like a crypt? No, no, not like a crypt. Uh, A place in which you carve coffins in stones and you put the bodies there. And you put so much bodies that it becomes... I mean, necropolis is is a word in English, but I don't know if that's the same. Like, that's a crypt, right? Or is the difference between a crypt is because in a crypt you actually have coffins in it? Exactly, because a crypt is in a church or in a castle... And there is a crypt, actually, in the castle I live in. I wonder what the Wi-Fi is like down in the crypt. (laughs) So tell me then. So you're driving around a fucking necropolis on your motorbike. Mm -hmm. Does this story end with you crashing and then forgetting how to play video games? No. I never crashed in the countryside. Never, ever. I crashed in a city once because a pedestrian... I don't know if if it's the same in Canada, Canada, but... Uh, <laughs> Almost. Yeah, pedestrians, <laughs> ha- pedestrians have the right of way. And she didn't leave me any chance. She leaped at me. I was slowing down at a red light and she jumped at me. She leaped at me for some unknown reason. And I had no other choice but to, you know, to avoid her, to dodge her. But... Since she bumped into me, she almost made me trip, and I I lost my front wheel. I don't know why, and I crashed. And the next thing I know, I'm lying on my back with uh, firefighters helping me and people telling me, "Are you okay? Do you want some water?" And I never knew what happened. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, that's the only time I crashed pretty badly, but. I love riding in the, in the countryside with my motorcycle, and I love riding alone. No, no cows have ever leapt in front of you while you were driving. No, because cows are peaceful animals, and they know not to fuck around with riders. <laughs> Did you know I gave up on cigarettes? Well, that's a good thing. I know it's a good thing, but it was against my will. When I was with Jimmy, that is to say, Perturbateur, we would smoke like Perturbateur. 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 Yeah, you're saying it good. Perturbateur. Perturbateur. 
Perturbateur. J'aime beaucoup, euh, beaucoup la musique de Perturbateur. Perturbateur. Il habite à Paris, euh, il aime beaucoup oui. euh, Champs-Élysées. Et c'est un gros fils de pute. Fromage. <rire> Anyways, when I was hang hanging out with him, we would chain smoke like crazy, like two, three packs a day. It was really crazy. And I discovered that I got asthma. So no one cares, but this reminds me of this <laughs> very... That's a great this... way to start anything. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, anyways, yeah. nobody cares, but... Nobody cares, but I got asthma. Mm. And... <laughs> From smoking or you just had it? I don't even know. I just... One day I was at work and I just started coughing, spitting my lungs like crazy. Mm. And I went to the doctor and he said, hey, you got asthma, you should stop smoking. So I stopped smoking because I had no choice and I was fucking sick. And it's been six months. And now when I smell a cigarette or when I try to smoke again, I, I puke. I can't stand tobacco or cigarettes anymore. And that's a tragedy because I don't do drugs. I don't do alcohol. Uh, I don't drink alcohol because I, I hate it. So I drink tea for the whole day, like nine or 12 cups of tea a day. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like caffeine is this seems to be the thing. Like everybody I know who whenever they try and stop uh, smoking or quitting a thing, then they end up upping their coffee intake by like 2000%. Exactly. For me, caffeine just makes my heart like I just feel it because mm -hmm. I'm really sensitive to like when I put things into my body. Oh, like really? I, I drink like I don't mind drinking. But uh, yeah, the, the reason why I don't do drugs and stuff like that is because I feel like the the like I, I can tell what it's doing to me. And instead of just enjoying the experience, mm -hmm. I just I'm just acknowledging every step of like, OK, now I'm forgetting how to talk. Right now I'm doing this. And <laughs> booze is different because booze dulls that part in your brain that makes you think too much, mm -hmm. which is why I don't really mind it. But then again, my body's I can't really get drunk. That's another thing for some <laughs> like like and I'm not saying that to be cool. Like I can't get drunk because my body will throw up before I reach the point. Like high school, whenever I would drink, um, I would get drunk 10 minutes before I ended up throwing up for the rest of the night. So I would have that 10 minutes where I'm like having a blast and running around acting like an idiot and then just fucking, oh, time to go upstairs. And then oh, fucking, ooh, you, yeah. the cavalry is coming. <laughs> yeah. so uh, well, when I was in high school, I was always the one who was sober because I wouldn't drink. Mm. And let me tell you that it's a very painful and embarrassing situation when you are the only sober person into a crowd of roaring pushtrons, as we say in French, people who are drunkards. Mm. You cannot have a conversation people because people come to you, hey, Dan, I really love you, but I mean, I don't love you in a gay way. I love you in the, I mean, like, bromance way, Dan, I really love you. <laughs> and then you have those girls who are very beautiful elegant um they are shining bright those beautiful french girls and they come to you and they're like hey Dan, no my pussy is so dry uh, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> like a drunk girl actually told me that in french she told me hey Dan, my chat is completely sèche," which is not very elegant and when when you are sober and when you see humanity decaying in front of you and the next day you go to your friends and you're like hey you remember what you said last night and your friends 
go out of their bed and they go like, oh, my hair are inside my head. What did I do? Yeah, when I was young, I was one of those kids too, like in high school where I, for some reason I, I had a point where it's like, I don't need to drink to have fun. And then around like grade 10, mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, I might as well. <laughs> I'd like, I'd, 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 it wasn't that big of a deal, but I was never like a huge drunk. Like I had friends who were like huge drunks. Yeah. But uh, I just, you know, I enjoyed myself. But even at the start, I wouldn't drink beer and stuff. So I was always drinking these coolers. There's this... This shit they sold here called UFO, which was essentially like <laughs> lemonade, like those mm-hmm. like that that fake kind of lemonade with alcohol, where it's like lemonade, but it has a very um uh. like sulfur sulfury taste to it because it's all fucking chemicals. Oh, we call it donkey piss in French. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's probably what I was actually drinking. And I remember like it would get me wasted. Yeah. But then I would get so sick. And it's not fun. Like when you throw up on beer, mm. it's kind of like foam. Yeah, it's like eating uh rotted fish. You know, like you're going to a restaurant and you're eating fish that is not really good. So you eat the fish, it's not very good, but but when you throw up, it's not even better. It's it's worse. Mm-hmm. So I mean throwing up good fish is okay. Throwing up good alcohol <laughs> is okay because it's your vomit will not really destroy your teeth with the acid, but when it's bad, it will destroy your teeth and ruin your breath for days and days. <laughs> this is a great conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. <laughs> I'm loving every every second of it. It's so great. <laughs> well, we can probably uh, wrap it up, but we've had we've had like a lot of fun here today. Mm. Maybe you can just tell me a little bit about the the title track off of Wrath of Code. The Wrath of Code with my friend Jimmy Bertobato is a collaboration that I've that we we have both uh, wanted to make for a very 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 long time but we never had the opportunity to do so. One day I told him, "Hey Jimmy, you know, I'm working on my next album. I I would like you to be a part of it if you don't mind." And he said, yeah, sure, man, I would love to do that. So I sent him a track, and it was a blast. It was the loudest track I ever made. I had to put him, pull him down on the levels because he was, like, blasting my computer. Mm. And I fucking loved it. And I really had fun doing it with him because he did it very fast. He was straight to the point, Jimmy it's him you can hear it's him and you can hear it's me as well and the two mixed together is a complete fuckery that i really love i sent him the result you know the the final uh, mixed and mastered track and he said oh man you pissed another hole through my ass so now i have two assholes it's okay i love this so i mean that's that's a french joke uh, turned straight into english but it's it's the way to say that ça m'a fait un deuxième trou du cul in French, which means it's so powerful that the song pierces through your ass to make another ass. And he loved it, actually. <laughs> the track, not the, the double <laughs> anal piercing, but the track.
you know, that's no secret. Uh, Jimmy is one of my best friends in the scene, and I I love him like a brother. You know, is uh, he's a really cool guy, and he taught me a lot of things. He always gave me advices to make me become a better producer. He never told me you should not do this or you shouldn't do that. He told me here are the options and you choose whatever option you like best. And thanks to him, I could fulfill myself as a producer. And this happened with other producers I wanted to have on the album. Uh, my friends in the scene like Carpenter Brut, who is He's a really cool guy and he's a good friend. Uh, Ghost, also uh, Noir Deco, who is my, I mean, they are my ultimate mentors. Guys like Tommy86, uh, Nostalgic Fantasy, Resnick, The Hunt, you know, all those guys are good guys. But with Jimmy, it's different. It's like, we're like brothers, actually. We're like bras. And um, I'm not supposed to say that, but <laughs> when I visited him in Paris, I actually slept in his bed. That is true. <laughs> And that, that is true, but he slept in the sofa because, you know, I have problems in my backbone. I have very weak bones and I have a broken back, actually. I can stand, I can walk and run and jump, but my back is very sore. Hmm. And he saw me taking those pills, you know, those muscle relaxants. And he told me, hey, you know, man, you're a very tall guy. Take my bed, sleep in my bed, sleep in my sheets. It's okay. I will sleep on the sofa. I'm used to it. There you have your exceptional pieces of information. I slept in Perturbator's sheets, <laughs> normally reserved to him and his girlfriend. So yeah, I'm, I feel privileged without revealing privacy or intimacy. <laughs> we fucked. <laughs> no, no, no. But you know, actually, there's a joke going on about Perturbator and I that everyone thinks we're gay. So we're not telling the truth because, because we're not gay. He has a girlfriend. I have a girlfriend. Sounds gay to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a little... I received a message from a fan who is gay mm. and who told me, hey, what you're doing for gay people is really great. I like the way you came out. <laughs> so so immediately when I received the email, I was like, oh, fuck, Jimmy, Jimmy, I got to tell you something. There's one, there's one guy who actually believes we're gay. And he's like, hey, let's do the joke. It's okay. So we're gay. And I'm like, okay, we're gay. So I replied to the guy, hey, man, it's okay. Thank you. I'm gay. I'm with Jimmy, but he's the one who, who bites the pillow, so it's okay. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's what makes you feel better about the whole joke. Yeah, but I'm the guy fucking the other guy. Exactly. There's a, there's a big exactly. difference. <laughs> that's, that's a big difference. <laughs> Anyways, it's just a way to say that we're good friends, and he's a really cool guy, and uh, he's, uh, you know, I'm an old guy. I'm in my 30s, and he's very young. He's 22 now, mm. but when you talk with him, it feels to me like you're talking to a guy who is in his 30s. Mm -hmm. And I really like him for that because we can carry out really great conversation. Yeah, he's a he's a friend. He's a true friend, really. Oh, well, what a what a what a sweet way to end this this conversation on on such a lovely note. Thank you, Andy. I yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. it. Anyways, man, it was it was great talking to you. Thank you. It was really great talking with you too. I really enjoyed your tone and your natural laughter, which is very it's, it's full of light your laughter is bright as we say in french it's <laughs> exhilarating uh, before i go i want to thank you for for this very pleasant conversation i really really enjoyed it and that was dan terminus we had a lot of fun a lot of good laughs a lot of french all that great stuff i hope you guys like the show please tune in next time there will be more shows so tune into them and that's all i got beyond synth listeners roll out 
Ah, fuck it. I'm not, uh, I'm not good at catchphrases. Tell you what, if somebody out there writes me a cool catchphrase, I'll, I'll put it in the show, and that'll be my sign-off. Think of a good synthy sign-off, because Beyond Synth listeners' rollout is, um, is a shitty one. Hope you guys have a lovely day. <laughs>